12. Yeah, I'm reading from the ESV version this morning. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The second reading, Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Thanks, Eunice. Morning, everybody. The faithful remnant scattered and... um... It's true, I could, you know, historically I could, you know, good rabbis would sit and teach, Scott, that would be really true. But there's a couple of other traditions that would happen too. If I came in, I was the rabbi, you'd all wash my feet and there'd be other things. So if we want to get... Uh, it's great. We, um, it is the last Sunday of the year. It feels weird saying that the day after Christmas, doesn't it? But it is. It's the last Sunday of the year. And it would be um, remiss not to look back on the year and as we often do at One Hope, we use the last Sunday of the year to um, that we have a faithful God. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's not going to be long this morning. And actually, I'm going to get you to do a couple of things yourself. Scott's already broken the ice there, so that'll work well. You know, Christmas Day is behind us now. The business and the pressure is off for some of us. Some of us will still have things to do today, I'm sure. Um, but I hope, despite all the busyness, you've got a little bit of time to uh, reflect on the best gift. You know, I've encouraged you over the last couple of weeks to, to stop for a minute during Christmas, and I don't know if you've got time to do that, but it's well worth doing. And that's an exercise that helps us with what we're talking about today as well. You know, I spoke about a, week, a little over a week ago that Jesus was God's ultimate love gift, actually. It was a week ago. And it really was God's ultimate love gift. He, but it was more than that. It was also a great sign of God's amazing faithfulness. That God promised something many, many centuries ago, or a long time before, and his faithfulness held true. He said from Adam on that he would be with us, that he had a plan to bring salvation to his people. And Jesus was key to that plan. God proved his faithfulness in Jesus. God didn't just prove his love in Jesus, that's what we talked about last week, but God proved his faithfulness in Jesus. The birth of Jesus, that baby was a sign of God's ultimate faithfulness, of God's amazing faithfulness. Now, those two things, God's love and His faithfulness, or, or the, the, the two things that He did in Jesus, um, are pretty big and indisputable acts of faithfulness, where God was 
faithful in, in loving us and faithful in, in giving us Jesus and salvation. They're, they're big things. They're indisputable. We understand them from the Word. And they're kind of all humanity acts, aren't they? He did that for all humanity. He loved all humanity. He sent Jesus for all humanity, that love gift. And he was faithful for all humanity. They kind of, I call them global acts of God's faithfulness. Doesn't make them any less, but they're global, aren't they? However, that's not the only way that we can testify to God's faithfulness. We can't, it's not just a matter of us saying, well, you know what? God sent Jesus. God so loved the world. And those are true, but that's not the only way that we testify, if you like. He is a global, he is a big stage, world-creating and world-holding faithful God. But he's also a personal, intimate, small stage, individual faithful father. A father who's faithful to his children every day in lots of little ways. So I want you to take a moment, take 15 seconds. Scott gave you 30, I'm crimping it down. You get 15 seconds. Can you remember a time that God was faithful to you this year? You might remember heaps, but can you remember one thing? Can you remember one time that God was faithful to you this year? Tell the person next to you. Like, you really seriously have 15 seconds. Okay. I gave you longer. That was, my, that was my way of saying it short but giving you more. So yell some of them out. How have you seen God's faithfulness? Short, just quick short things. Yell something out that you heard or it might have been you. Driving on the road Say that again. Driving. Driving. When you're tired. It's not you, it's the masks. It's not, you know, so I don't hear it as well. So you have to yell really loud. Now, either we haven't noticed it or people are busy, isn't it? A new job, yep. Moving house. A better place to live. Sorry, Scott. A wife. Man, he just, he just trumps us every time, doesn't he? He just comes up with something better, you know? It's really important to notice that as Christians, sometimes we get caught in talking about God's faithfulness. We sing these wonderful songs, and they're true, but they're big global acts. But what about when you just notice God's faithfulness in the small ways in the everyday? We often link God's faithfulness to behavior, don't we? It, sometimes it's in our mind, sometimes we do that. But the amazing thing about God's faithfulness is that it isn't linked to our behavior. Ha, that's the miracle of who God is and who I'm not. God's faithfulness is not dependent on our character. It's dependent on his character. It's because he is who he is that he's faithful, not because we are who we are or we've done what we're supposed to do. Character. Have you ever noticed that? There are countless examples. Abraham, he makes a covenant with Abraham. You know, you know the story, they cut the animals and, and a covenant back in those times, we're going to walk through the animals together and I promise, you promise. And if you break your promise, you're, you're finished. And if I break my promise, I'm finished. But then he makes a covenant with Abraham and he says, even if you fail, I will be faithful and you will fail. He didn't say that, but we know that. Israel in a desert. 
He made a covenant with his people, a promise. He promised to be faithful. He said, you'll be my people and and I'll be faithful to my promise to be with you always, to care for you, to lead you to the promised land. And the people, we promised to be faithful too, they said, didn't they? Five minutes later, you know, a little bit too much gold and a fire and what do you get? A cow. What does God do? He's faithful anyway. In our our text in Isaiah, Isaiah is full of judgment. I talked about that yesterday. In verse 1, where's our Isaiah scripture there? In verse 1, You will say in that day, I'll give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Right in the midst of their unfaithfulness, the prophet Isaiah could start talking about how I will give thanks to you, how, how you've done amazing things. I'll tell everybody of how great you are. The prophets, it goes on. Hosea is a magnificent picture of God's faithfulness. Ever read that book? You know, I'll be faithful time and time again. Well, you know, no matter how much. The wars, the rebellions, the exiles, the sin of individuals that God had put a huge stake in. Think of David, think of Abraham, think of some of the people that, you know, that God them amongst his people. Yet he was faithful to them, even though they were sinful. And ultimately, the rejection and killing of his own son. And he was still faithful. And you can go to you and I, I can think of myself, you know. We choose to leave God out of so much, don't we? Yet you have to say, great is his faithfulness. When you start to tell each other, this is not a new message. You know, faithfulness, God's faithfulness, we hear about that often. It's not new. It's not a long message. But there are two things that I think are good for us to do when we ponder God's faithfulness. When you just stop at the end of the year or whenever you do that, when you ponder God's faithfulness, there's two things that I think we, that are good for us to do. First of all, look for it. It's often like a day will go by that if I'm not intentional, if I don't bother to think about it or notice it, I probably will get in bed at the end of the day and feel a bit miserable because, you know, it was a bit of a miserable day. It was tough and it wasn't really easy. But if I stop for a minute and say, well, but this happened, that was good. That, that was good. So look for it. Notice it. The second thing is give thanks and be grateful always. You know, it's easy when things are tough, when we struggle, when things don't go to plan, it's easy in those times to feel like God is MIA, isn't it? Like he's missing in action. Where is God? Things are tough. It's not going easy. The business isn't working. The family's not working. This relationship's not working. I, you know, it's his motives. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought, hmm, I wonder whether I'm deserving this, whether you know, his faithfulness might have just waned a little bit because of my behaviour. Anybody ever not said that consciously but kind of thought that? Kids do that, and we say that, but adults still do that on the inside, don't they? That somehow we interpret, we reinterpret God's faithfulness, and we kind of, it might have waned a little. We doubt His faithfulness. The reason is because our eyes are on us. We're looking at us now when we're in that situation. We're looking at our circumstances, and we're not looking at God's character. Remember, I said that His faithfulness is not dependent on us; it's dependent on Him. We shift when we get into struggle. We shift and we start feeling like his faithfulness is dependent on us, subconsciously. Because our eyes are now on us. We're not looking for, we're not noticing where and how God is faithful, but we only seem to see where he's not 
being faithful in our mind at the moment. Our family might be struggling, our relationship strained, work is not going well, the business is struggling, my health is failing, lockdown is tough, things aren't going my way. Now to be fair, as humans we do suffer and God knows that. So let's not be too hard on ourselves all the time. But how do we regain hope? In our Lamentations scripture, right at the very end, he says, Therefore, I will hope in him. How, how do we regain that hope? Well, the first thing is to understand that our circumstances don't alter God's circumstances. I get in that trap sometimes. I don't alter who God is, and I don't alter his circumstances. You know, when things go wrong in my life, I don't feel like God or I need not feel like God has lost control. His promises, his care and his attention haven't changed for me because things aren't going well or my circumstances. My circumstances or our circumstances don't determine his faithfulness. We just said that he remains faithful. Now that's good to know. But that doesn't help much yet with hope. I mean, I can't, you know, you're losing hope and, or I'm losing hope and things aren't going well for me. And you come up to me and say, don't worry, Andrew, your circumstances don't change God's. Well, thanks very much. I'll put that in the bank. Well, it's good to know and it's important to know, but it doesn't help much yet. Well, the second thing is look for where he's faithful. So the next thing you need to say to me when I'm in that place is sort of say, well, your circumstances don't change God's. So if you just spend some time looking for where he's faithful, if you stop and recognize, look for the little things where he is. In our Lamentations <coughs> scripture, there's a great example. Look at the verses leading up to it. <coughs> Excuse me. If you've got your Bibles, and you can have a look if you like. We all know this scripture. There's a song about it, isn't it? Great is his faithfulness. But if you read the verses leading up to that, let me read a few lines out of that. He has walled me about so I can't escape. He made my chains heavy, blocked my ways. He's a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He made me desolate. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I haven't said that too often lately of you. I've become a laughingstock of all peoples. He has filled me with bitterness. And here's a good one. This one hurts when you say it. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. And have you ever had, you know, when your mum made rice and there was a stone in it and you bit down on it or something like that? Eek. He made me cower in ashes. I've forgotten what happiness is. Those are the verses that lead up to those verses in Lamentations. But verse 21, then read verse 21. But this I call to mind. So things, my circumstances aren't great. They're definitely not great there. But this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. When we take a moment, despite our own troubles, to recognize God's faithfulness, it changes our perspective. Maybe slowly at first. And maybe it takes time, but it does, and we begin to have hope in him. And that brings me to the second thing, giving thanks and being grateful. I think that's really important. When we do recognize it, when we do see it, and we do remember it, we need to take time to give thanks. You've got to take time to give thanks. You know, 
non, you know, uh, non-religious or unbelieving psychiatrists will tell you that, that being grateful and giving thanks actually changes your metaphysical, whatever, I'm using words that I shouldn't be using up here because I'm unqualified, but you know, it, it changes you when you give thanks, when you're grateful. When we do recognise that we need to take time to give thanks, despite our circumstances, we can give thanks because we know that God is faithful. Even if it begins, even if it begins with the global things, And this, happens, this changes our perspective and that leads to changing our hearts. You know, David is a, in the Psalms is just a great example of that, isn't it? In so many Psalms, he expresses sorrow, fear, anger, annoyance and even more. But almost always, apart from two Psalms, almost every Psalm he tells himself to remember God's faithfulness and love and he gives thanks. A great example for us as well. And what it does is it refocuses his mind, his heart and himself. Giving thanks and being grateful has the effect of amplifying God's faithfulness for us. You know, the bank account grows bigger. When you focus on it, you see more of it and you see more of it. When you recognise it, you notice it and you spend time giving thanks for it. It seems like there's even more and you notice it even more. Have you ever had that experience? I have that with, you know, when you're buying, you know, when you're, you're looking online or you're, you're, like I have that when I want to buy, a, when I'm buying a car or looking around at cars or something. Or if I bought something, you might have it with a nice dress or something like that. When you start focusing, all of a sudden you see them everywhere. Ever had that experience? Yeah, because you're noticing them all of a sudden. You know, they were always there, by the way, just to let you know. It's no seat. It's not supernatural. But all of a sudden, you're noticing them because your attention's focused on that particular model car or that particular dress or those shoes. Everybody's wearing them. They were always there. That's what it's like when you give thanks. When you notice it more, God's faithfulness is amplified. You see it more. When we give thanks for it, we'll begin to see it everywhere. We saw it just yesterday when we celebrated Christmas. We'll see it in a few months when we celebrate Easter. There's no greater example of God's faithfulness than grace and salvation, undeserved and free. But it's not just enough to talk about it or do a sermon about it every year. We have to do it because it really helps. And sometimes we need to know how to give thanks. You know, giving thanks, being grateful needs expression. You need to do it somehow. You know, be grateful. Be is a verb, isn't it? Be is be grateful is to do something or give thanks is to do something. You've got to be active. You have to decide because it doesn't always come automatically. You have to do it. How do you do it? Prayer is a good one. Prayers. Our songs and worship is, is fantastic. And you don't have to be a musician to do that. Testify, share, you know, talk to people, tell people about God's faithfulness. It really does work. It seems a bit corny at first. And maybe you can sort of couch it in cool language. You, know, you don't have to say, thus did the Lord to me this, this morning. You know. But it really does help to testify. And the Psalms are a great example. Here's a few. Want some help? Here's a few Psalms. I'll just read a couple of little examples. Um, to decide, you've got to decide to be thankful, to be grateful and to be thankful. Psalm 17, uh, Psalm 7, verse 17. I will give to the Lord the thanks due his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. 
Start by reading that psalm to yourself. Here's another one. Testifying to God's faithfulness. Psalm 9 verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell the people of his deeds. Tell. Tell people of what he does. Kind of, you know, when you say something out loud, it becomes more a part of yourself, don't you? Psalm 103. Prayer. That's a prayer. Psalm 103, first four verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, thinking about all that he's done for me. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Psalm 107. And testify one again. Giving thanks and testifying. I'll give thanks to the Lord for he's good, for his his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. That's us. And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, and from the north and from the south. And then there's worship, isn't there? And there's so many Psalms. 95 is a great one. The first five verses. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For, why? Verse 3, for the Lord is a great God and he's a king above all other gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, his heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And you could go on. And even in our Isaiah, if you read the scripture we, we read in Isaiah, he does that. He says... You know, you are angry with me, but then he talks about, Behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust you. Give thanks to the Lord. He calls upon the people. Try praying and just giving thanks. You know, we've done that a few times in church over the years. You know, have you ever noticed when you pray, you, you start by saying, Oh, thank you, God, for today, and then boom, you're straight into your list. Have you ever prayed a whole prayer? Just giving thanks and making it last for longer than a minute. Not to ask for anything for yourself or for anybody else. Just giving thanks. Try that. Try worship that just gives glory to God, that doesn't talk about me or us or you know all the things that God could do for me. Just worship that only gives glory to God. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's an exclusive thing, that you need to do that all the time. But it's good to do that every now and then. Share with somebody. Send them a text. Give them a call. Have a coffee with them. It's a good thing. Tell them that something that God's doing in your life and has done and that you're thankful for. We don't really do that. We're not really a culture that does that much, are we? And attribute it to God, to somebody. Tell someone, God did that. This is really good in my life. But this is really, but God did that. He was faithful. Thinking back on 2021, being thankful probably isn't the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of us. I get that. I have it the same. Yet, God has been faithful. And we can give thanks for so much if we'll only stop and notice. So I want to finish by doing that. We're going to finish. We're going to take five minutes and then we're going to finish with a song. But I want to ask you just to gather with two other people, so there's three of you, and just take a minute or so, what are you thankful for God for in the last year? 
Could be one thing, could be a bunch of things. And in groups of three, just notice it and pray and say, thank you, God, for that. Give thanks together for the year that's gone, (coughs) for whatever you're giving thanks for and being grateful. Spend five minutes praying with two other people. And maybe it's handy to, if it's not your husband or wife or partner, mix with somebody else and just spend a couple of minutes giving thanks together for God. Now, you can't ask God for anything, and it's really tricky. You know, this might sound easy, but sometimes it's hard. You say, oh, thanks that Roxanne did so much great worship today, and I pray that you can know. It's hard. It's harder than you think, but that's what I want you to do. So I want you to grab two other people, five minutes, and I'll call you back to attention, and then our music team is going to lead us in a song. Yeah? Only a small group, we can do this.